Big day today, the first federal rate review happening tonight. This is Wednesday, the 1st of February. And this, this evening, I think 10 p.m. at UAE time, uh, we will know whether there will be the first rate review or rise of 2023. Last year, 2022, we had seven different rate hikes equating to about 4% increase in interest. So today, I thought it would be very uh, pertinent to have our head of mortgage services and all-round great guy and mortgage guru, Stuart Rowe. And there is a song about you, Stuart, which I'm not going to sing no, on this thing, but um, welcome to the Taking Care of Business podcast again. Thank you. Good morning. It's a familiar, uh, you're a familiar guest at the moment. Obviously, the last 12 months has been uh, quite a testing time for you in terms of lots of changes. Tumultuous, I'd say, yeah. Let's just start off with, we'll talk about the rate review tonight very shortly, but let's just talk about the last 12 months for you and how it's been for you and your clients in terms of be, having so much change. Probably the most amount of change, I would imagine, in your career in such a short space of time. Yeah, I mean, I think where lenders have been struggling to keep up with the demand for everybody wants to take a mortgage, you know, everyone wants to buy property, nobody wants to pay rents anymore. Um, but the struggle has been where lenders have had to change policies to affect what the rates are and how long they can offer these rates for. So at the start of the year, it was very haphazard. People just didn't really know what was going on and a rate would change and all of a sudden a lender come back and say, oh, we can't have that anymore. But there was no policy behind it. So then lenders started changing and saying, okay, here's a deadline, it's gotta be done by this point. So, you know, you convey that to clients and clients yeah, still drag their feet a little bit, but, um, and then when it gets to D-Day, a bit like transfer day yesterday, um, everything wants to happen on the last day. And it's like, you need time to prepare for these things because not everything's going to come in properly gift-wrapped for a bank to say, okay, we can put that in mm -hmm. and process it straight away. So there's going to be things missing. There's going to be details missing. There may be a document missing. There may be payslips missing. There may be something else that's required after the initial documents are there. So you're still going to miss the deadline. Let's talk about real-life scenario because obviously tonight we're going to probably see in my opinion, a rate increase, another one, the first one this year. Yeah. Real life scenario, so let's say hypothetically, there's another rate review next month, I believe. Let's say hypothetically, there is an increase. Can a buyer say, if I'm a buyer today, can I lock in a lower rate now, knowing that the transfer, the transaction might take three months? Does that, can they do that? Potentially. Um, I mean, again, this is where we look at whether eBOR, eyeball, whatever you want to term it as, has a value to it. And that value has obviously a margin of where it can move up and down within that month. And I think as we looked at uh, the figures from the start of this month, it was four point, I think it started around 4.5, 4.45. And it's probably gone up as high as like 4.76. So if you look, you can already see a 25 points tolerance in that margin straight away. So I think what we're looking at in this month is it's probably going to be a range of between 4.75 and 5% is where the EBOR is. But that's not necessarily what the bank's rates will be because that's based on a fluctuation yeah. or a floating rate. So a lot of banks will offer fixed products. So are you going to be able to secure that fixed rate for a period of time? Some banks will let you secure that for a two month period. Some banks will let you say, okay, you have an approval for 60 days, but the rate is only valued for 30. Okay. So there could be... It's a race against time, basically. It is a race against secure, time. If you want to do a, a secure a product tomorrow at a potentially quarter increase rate, then you've basically got 60 days, potentially, yeah. to keep that rate, to avoid any more. 
Okay, so obviously that, that is, we started last year at what point point five point seven five base interest. Now we're today between four point two five and four point five in the US Fed. Yeah, I think it was about point three. I think it started out at the start of last year. You're saying, yeah? Yes. Okay, and now we're at anywhere between four point five and four point seven five with the fluctuation of up and down. Okay, so what has been aside from Everyone's monthly payments costing them more money. What has been the biggest change or the biggest difference or the biggest impact in these rate rises in the last 12 months? I mean, it's only the people that are on the variable that will feel the adjustment in their monthly. So anyone that's on a fixed and they've, you know, did well enough to get a fixed for three, five years or whatever it is, a decent rate, great for them. But the biggest impact that we're seeing now is the affordability. Okay. So whereas at the start of last year, rates were based on an affordability calculation. So let's say a bank offered a rate last year and it was, I don't know, 2.99. There may have been a stress test on that. So banks were probably calculating affordability at Mm 4.5%. Now it's more like 85 to 9% is where the affordability calculation is being done. Equally, a lot of banks have different ways of calculating things. So not all banks are going to have the same answer. So you may find that one bank might calculate at 7%, one might calculate at 8.5%. But again, that's just down to their internal policies and what their interpretation of central bank rules and regulations So let's are. give a, 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 an actual scenario. So someone earning approximately 50,000 dirhams per month salary, let's let's have the understanding that they have a deposit, mm-hmm. okay? How much impact has that would have that been from the start of last year to today, earning 50,000 dirham salary to what they could afford to buy to now? Assuming no other debt, no other credit cards. Okay, and that impacts... Affordability, right? It does, yeah, which we can go through. Um, the difference is probably around about one and a half to two million dirhams in their borrowing power, wow. as opposed to the start of last year to where we are at the start so of this like year. Nearly 40% difference yeah. from. So let's say somebody was you know, able to borrow 4.5 at whatever rate it was that they were getting. Mm-hmm. Now they may be down at, you can only borrow 2.5 or even 2.9 or 2.5 to 3 million, I'd say, is where that has affected that affordability. Okay. So it could be one and a half to two million in depending on which bank you choose to go with. Because I was an estate agent for many years in the UK. Typically, you lenders in the UK, it was two, three, four, five times annual salary. Mm-hmm. How does it work here? What so when you and I get I know banks might work differently, but how does it actually work? Two different ways. So you've got your affordability multiples, seven times. Okay. Which annual we, salary. Annual salary. Okay. Which we were struggling with at the start of last year because you would hit your multiples before you'd hit your DBR, debt burden ratio. Okay. So, so that's the other way. What does that mean, debt So that's, that's the other way we look at it. So it's whatever your fixed income is at 50% has to fit all of your borrowings. Okay. So all of the debt you have, and that debt's calculated as whatever your payments are per month, plus whatever your credit cards are, anywhere between, we take an average of whatever your limit is, it's 5% of your limits, say you've got a 100 grand credit card limit. Yep. They're taking five thousand off your affordability. Okay. You've got a three thousand dollar car loan. They're taking three thousand off okay. your affordability. But so they're then only fa- after all the deductions of your salary, your credit card, they're then only factoring fifty percent of that difference. Exactly. So let's say fifty grand salary, like yep. you said, takes down twenty five minus the eight. Yeah. Takes you straight down, and then that is what you're left to play with for your mortgage payment. Okay. And then that is not then calculated at what rate they're offering. So they might offer you a rate of two point nine nine back then, but the calculation is done based on a stress test of four point five. Now the rates may be, we've seen some great rates at the moment at 4.75. Fixed or, or variable. Fixed, yeah. yeah. 
um, even 4.69, <clears throat> excuse me, with uh, another lender just come out last week. But the calculations may be based on 8.5. So the, the difference in 299 to 4.5 is only 1.5%, whereas we're now looking at rates at 4.69. Calculations at 8.69, so now it's 4%. So it's the, the variance is huge, and I think where so you, we deal with 20, 23, 24, 25 different banks in the UAE. Yeah. They they all operate differently in terms of their calculations. A lot of them operate on the same level. Some are slightly different, but again, it's that's where not all banks are equal. Okay, um, and it's where maybe somebody can come to us and they say, oh, "I've got an approval with my bank," but they said I can only borrow this. Okay, we then have the ability to look at the whole market and say, "Well, actually, we can get you a little bit more." The rate won't be as good necessarily, or the rate might be slightly better. Okay. But that's what I mean. There's, there is no <clears throat> rhyme or rhythm to where that rate is. And that's why, you know, coming on to the questions that we had, and I think one of them is what is the best rate in the market, is not always the one that's going to be most suitable to you. Agreed. Agreed. So I haven't got a crystal ball. And if I did, I would be an incredibly rich man. However, you are. However, <laughs> um, this year, my view on the property market, and it's just my opinion, my view is we will see an interest rate rise this evening, quarter of a percent. I think so. I think it's probably likely we'll still see a small one next month, maybe quarter of a percent. And I don't think you'll see any more hikes until probably after the summer where we might start to see decline. The reason for that is they need... To, they had, in, a, in a strange way, the Fed need to see employment, unemployment numbers actually uh, actually be higher. Um, I think about 3.7% at the moment. They need around about 4.5% to be encouraged to say, okay, the interest rates has impacted demand. Mm. So I, think we're, I don't think we'll see any rate decreases until possibly end of the year or Q1. Yeah, I mean, your sentiment is probably shared by a lot of people as you know, mine as well, but I'd like to be a little bit more optimistic in saying I can see where you're getting your extra 25 in March. Probably will be the case. I mean, I'm probably being optimistic in saying I hope they don't. But I think that's probably where they've got to show a little bit of face and say, okay, you know, yeah. a bit of flexing. Um, and not, not people to get too carried away. Exactly. And it's for people not to get too excited too quickly because I think I was thinking more along the lines of 25 points tonight and then we're talking maybe a a smaller margin, maybe a 15 points okay. or even a 10 points at the March review, which would signify we're not doing this anymore. Okay. And I think that probably helps everybody to breathe a little bit better. They then go, right, now we know we've got to deal with. We can button down the hatches. We can stick where we are for a time and we can carry on through. We can manage our mortgage payments. But I think if they carried on with the hikes as it goes through... People are just going to see no end to it. Well, what I'm really encouraged about is, obviously, last year we've seen seven rate rises. We started, I think, a quarter, then 0.5, then several three-quarters of a percent rate rise. A reduction in that rate rise in December at half a percent, and what's going to be likely a further reduction of a quarter percent this evening. So we're starting to see a slowdown in increases. So yeah. I think we're on the right path to where we want to go. But how does that impact... In your opinion, Stu, I mean, you deal with, speak to God knows how many buyers each day. How does that impact people's feeling on the ground about, is it a good time to buy? I mean, listen, there's many reasons you can look for and against buying. But, you know, if somebody doesn't want to buy, they'll always look for reasons not to buy. 
that's just the pessimistic attitude of some people. But I'd say one of the biggest drivers at the moment is the rents are through the roof. Mm -hmm. And no matter how you look at it, there was always this question of, is it cheaper to rent than to buy? I mean, it's always cheaper to buy because rent is dead money. Um, but then there's also the argument of, okay, well, buying it's now a liability, but you know, if you're buying an investment to let out, then it washes its face and all the rest of it. So you could, you could you know, wrap it up as many times as you want. Um, but I think in terms of, is it a good time to buy now? Still, like I've just said, we've got rates of 4.69, 4.75, irrespective of what's happening with the EBOR rates. Yeah. So EBOR is obviously the base, and then a bank's margin will go on top of that. So if you're in a variable product, you're probably looking around about 65 to 7% as an interest rate, realistically. Um, I know that one of the other banks just brought out a lower margin, like 1.19. So if you're, a, if you're a gambling man, you could say, okay, well, like you just said, rates potentially coming down in a year. Let's look at where the rates are historically over the last 10 years. EBOR's probably sat around about 1.7, 1.8. So if you're looking at taking a punt and saying, okay, well, I'm gonna go with the variable, even though I'm paying 7% today, I could be paying three and a half next year. I could be paying two and a half the year after. But what, circling back to the question, most people you're speaking to are they deterred by the rate rises. Obviously, what we probably have seen, I think we'll both agree on this, is people adjusting expectations because they have to, based on what they're able to afford, so buying smaller properties. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I think it's about managing people's expectations. And you've got a lot of people that, after COVID, moved into big five bedroom houses and you know they're paying really cheap rents. But the difference being is the rates may have gone up significantly in the last year, but those big houses have doubled or even tripled in rent. Yeah. So they can't afford to live in those anymore. But ultimately they don't want to be in a situation where they kind of go backwards. So I think with the natural progression of them saying, okay, well let's buy something. I've had clients that have managed their own expectations, you know, they've got large families and they've moved from a five bed into a three plus study and they make things work. Yeah. Because then you look at what's the ability to extend this property? Can I make things better? Can I make things bigger? Can I do something? I mean, I know that there's a development out in somewhere um, that they were, you know, traditionally three bedroom townhouses, but the space in the roof was huge. And now people are converting those yeah. into four bedrooms. And you transform a whole house and, and, you know, all these sorts of things. So is it a good time to buy? Do it smart, yeah. I'm going to ask you to get your crystal ball out, <laughs> give it a little rub, give it a little rub. And tell me, in 12 months' time, so 1st of February 2024, where do you think the rates will be at? So that's the first question. Right. And then the second question is, if you're speaking to me today, I'm your client, would you tell me to fix my mortgage or would you tell me to ride the variable rate? Okay. Rates in a year, I mean, again, they're not going to come down significantly like they went up. I don't think, because it has to be a stable market. Um, are they going to come down 25 points, 50 points? Potentially, I'd say probably looking so at... So you've heard this, Stuart Rowe, Mystic 1st Street. of February 2023, he said, in a year's time, rates will be half a percent lower. So you've got this on record now. Yeah. Although I don't work for the uh, central bank, so just a disclaimer. <laughs> um, and then the fixed versus variable, you said. Yes. Yeah, so what would you do today? Would you say to your client, right... This is the best route, fix you, your mortgage for a year or two years or whatever. Or would you say, do you know what? I'm confident that we're going to see some movement some point later this year, ride the, ride the rates out. I'm a big advocate in knowing what I have to pay. Now, is there a variance in that going down? Great. But if I know that I have to pay that, 
That's where I manage everything else that around that goes around it. So if it's a higher payment and I'm paying a higher rate, so be it. I've already factored it in. I've already made that decision to go ahead yeah. at that price. So that for me personally. And would you fix for a year or would you fix for five? What I mean again, that's the the big question. But realistically speaking, all banks share the same closure penalties. Mm-hmm. So if a bank comes out next year with something miraculously better than what you're on now, you still pay the same amount to close and move. That's a great question. Than you would. Which you've just made me think about. So I've got a mortgage. Okay. okay. I'm paying 5%, 6 let's call it 7% interest, interest rate. That's my okay. interest rate. Rates go down a fair bit this time next year. And I want to move my mortgage to another lender that's given me a better rate, which allows me to have lower payments. Mm-hmm. How much is it going to cost me? What do I need to do? They call it remortgage in the UK. Yeah, they call it remortgage in the UK. Here they call it a lender buyout. Um, again, with all the changes that are happening, with all this digital platforms that we're seeing and, and everything becoming more online and accessible, I think the charges that are incurred at the moment are quite high because everything's so manually intensive. Now, I don't know anywhere else in the world that you have to go to change a mortgage lender. You have to deregister a mortgage re-register a mortgage, basically essentially paying tax to uh, to do all of these things. And then you have to pay more tax to a place that actually says you can do it because somebody has to physically go there and do it. So I think once you start to get rid of all of those parts, it becomes less of a burden and mm-hmm. it becomes more of a realistic choice to make. But I think at the moment, if you're talking the average cost of switching from one lender to another could be anywhere between 15 and 25,000 euros. Okay. So it's got to be significant for you to be able to say, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to move that. But if you're making that saving in the first year and the savings are, you know, born on for the year after and the year after and the year after, it does make sense to do that. But, um, I mean, I've seen some horrific stories in the past where people have been caught into deals where they're on a variable, but then their equity and their property wasn't enough for them to be able to switch. So they may have been on an EBOR plus a margin of 4.5%. So if you imagine that in today's money, that's going to be 10% on the rate of insurance. Okay, so our website, allsupandallsup.com, we're constantly evolving it and making it as better as we possibly can do. We've got a mortgage calculator on our website. So on our mortgage calculator, you can tell you exactly how much you, how much you, you want to borrow or lend, how much your deposit would be. What your um, and potentially what your monthly payments might be based on an average of all the interest rate rises in there. So, to me, a lot of our clients tend to go from the first point of call before speaking to you, or at least accompany your conversation to get an idea. Yeah, I think it's it's good where people are again managing their expectations, saying how much it's going to cost me. Um, but then a lot of people understand their debt burden ratios or, or debt service ratios. As we said, fifty percent your salary. People sometimes look at that and go well, that's only 50% of my salary, so I can do this. But it's not as simple as that, because obviously there's stress tests and everything. So it's good as a guide to see where they're at and where they can be. But it's definitely worth taking that further and having a conversation with us. But I think it's very simplistic in its approach and saying, okay, here's what you need to deposit. Here's what it's going to cost you on a monthly basis. Is that affordable to you? And But it doesn't take into consideration any of the other borrowings that you've got or what the stress tests are and all those sorts of things. So I think as a starting point, yeah, it's great. Okay, some quick Dubai news to talk about. So a massive surge, massive surge in Dubai land department registrations for uh, businesses, basically trade licenses. So DLD last year 
registered a total of 6,479 new licenses in 2022, real estate licenses. Wow. So essentially more competition, a growth of just under 50% versus the previous year. So a lot of comp competition comes to Dubai. Obviously, there are people jump on the back of the activity. Mm. Thoughts on that? I mean, Dubai is a very cyclical place. I mean, I've been here 16, 17 years, as I think you've probably been about the same. Yeah. And we've seen the rise and fall of so many different agencies over the years. And it's, you know, this is a surge. It's a popular thing to do. People, obviously, every, you know, selling real estate is easy. Everybody can do it. So that's probably why there's a massive surge in real estate licenses. I welcome competition. However, it's, it's about getting the good competition and it's making sure that people do things properly, make sure they stand the test of time and not just here for a quick book, which unfortunately, there yeah. are a few of them here. We did see last week as well, the Royal Atlantis. Have you seen it? Unbelievable. Great development. Probably one of the best developments that have ever been in, in the years that I remember. I mean, especially the significance pull behind it. I think that is one of the iconic parts of what's going to be mentioned for quite a few years yet. Well, still waiting for handover. I'm looking forward to see what it's like inside, but very, very exciting. Obviously, seeing the Beyonce concert, I really think it's wet the appetite of a few people to say, like, let me come and look at it and yeah. see what it's all about. So really excited for that. Five looks in JBR. So 222 rooms. Stuart's got a phone call coming in. 275 service res residences and multiple nightlife venues across 14,000 square feet. So that's a new development in JBR coming, which is very, very exciting. So I'm going to end today's podcast with a few questions. I'm going to try and make them a little bit difficult. Right, so on. I'm going to pick the more difficult ones. So here's a few of them we've had yesterday on Instagram and the other social media. We had some questions about anything they want to ask mortgage related. So first one I've got for you is a guy called Amir Zada. Amir has asked, can I include my 20% down payment and registration fees onto my mortgage? No. Okay. <laughs> is the answer. 20%. Um, Central Bank have put rules in some time back and they said, okay, people buying need to have some skin in the game. Otherwise, all the risk is on the bank. Yeah. So if you're not putting in at least a 20% deposit, then it doesn't meet the requirements of Central Bank regulations. Okay. With regards to the fees, there are some banks that have ways of including some of the fees into the financing cost itself. So 20% you need to have, but then they could maybe finance a percentage of the fees as well to add to the mortgage. Okay. There are some lenders that are taking care of that. Okay. Next question from Rebecca. She says, what are the big no's after taking approval on the buying process? I assume she means mortgage approval. I thought you said I've got a big no's. <laughs> Uh, what are the big no's? Big no's are halfway through an approval. You, again, a bank would do their due diligence on somebody at the start and then maybe further checks at the final approval stage. So where we've seen issues is people that try and take a borrowing of the 20% deposit as a personal loan in between that stage. So they've got approval from the bank. Big no-no, yeah. They've signed the contract. Yeah. And then all of a sudden something changes, they get a car loan or... or yeah, and, and again, very important point there because signing a contract is an exchange of contracts for you to buy a house. And in those contracts, it states in most clauses for, for most buyers that you can't do anything to jeopardise the purchase of the property, otherwise you're liable for a, a penalty. And I think one of those is people do need to realise that if you go and take out a personal loan in the midst of applying for a mortgage and trying to buy a house, 
that you are jeopardising that contract. So Rebecca, I think what we're saying here is don't get a loan to buy a car after getting approval. Don't take a loan to yeah. get a holiday. Just make sure you get the house through first. Before. So it's, it's a loan for a car, holiday, anything, even credit cards. Um, don't take a credit card. And again, depending, be careful how many people you're applying to as a lender for a mortgage because they will probably chuck a credit card into the application, which could pop up halfway through applications with other lenders as well. Artie here said, hey, all's up and all's up. Your feed is awesome. Thank you very much, Artie. Okay, uh, another question we've got here is, what is the average deposit required and how much budget for fees on top? Rebecca, again. Sorry, say that again? What is the average deposit percentage required and how much budget for fees on top? Um, again, so if you're looking above and below 5 million, there's different tolerances on that. So above, you need a 30% deposit. Below 5 million, 20% deposit. No movement there. No movement there at all. And the fees, again, is whether or not some banks do have the uh, function to be able to include some of the fees. So typically, you're looking anywhere between sort of 22.5 to 27.5 with and without fees under 5 million. And then the same with the 10% on top for over 5 million. Okay. Last question I've got is, what's the best rate in the market at the moment? And that is by R. Pinnacket. Loaded question, really, because the best rate may be a highlight of a one-year fix that has huge caveats with it and could be... Okay, so let's give an example. One-year one, one year fix, one-year variable. Okay. One... Well, the variable is variable straight off the bat anyway. So best variable at the moment is probably EBOR plus 1.19, which has just come out this week. So what would it be the total figure? Total figure as it stands today. Uh, what was EBOR today? 4.6. So you're looking around about 5. Eight-ish, okay. And then what about one-year fixed? What would I get there? One-year fixed, you could probably look at something around about three point nine nine as a one-year fixed. But again, the the loops and everything to get into that just unrealistic. If you look at a good three-year fixed, there was one came out last week at four point six nine. Okay, very good, Stuart. Always a pleasure, never a chore. <laughs> That's it from taking care of business this week. My advice to you is, if you are buying a property. Don't do it yourself. It's so much work. It takes so much time. Make sure you speak to the professionals. They can save you so much money. And more importantly, they can save you time and stress. Have a good rest of the week, everyone. Thank Bye. You.